Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's exactly what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we begin a new series called The Storyteller, The Parables of Jesus. And the first one today is called The Sower. You know, hearing Jesus tell stories can be compared to a seed taking root. So are you allowing him to plant his truth into your heart and soul? Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and the series available all for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give also right there at reallife.org. Pastor Sean Azaro is in Matthew 13, starting at verse 9. He who has ears, let him hear. It's time for Radio for Real Life. I had this illustrated to me uh, last week. Lori and I had to be out of town. So for that first trip down into uh, uh, Aranzas Pass, I called Willie and, or texted Willie, and I said, hey, how's the trip going? He took a group, and he gave me this great report. He kind of just shared a brief text. He said, it was an awesome trip. He said, we had close to 200 volunteers from this fellowship who went down to serve. I said, I thought that was awesome. Over 30 yards cleaned, and we're not talking about raking up leaves here, right? We're talking about massive trees. We're talking about buildings that are torn down, 30 different homes that were brought to whatever order they could be brought to by our volunteers. 3,000 people fed, volunteers, people who'd been victims, just served by River City. I was so grateful for that. And and so that just, I was thankful. But then he sent me a story, and, and you guys may have heard this one, this story. Mike may have shared this as part of his message last week, but I wanted to share it because it's really relevant to even what we're going to be talking about. Maybe some of you didn't hear. Because he sends me that little text with those stats, and I was like, wow, that is awesome. I was so grateful and proud for what God was doing in and through River City Community Church. But then there was this note that came on our Facebook page. We've received several of these now. This is from Brandy Danielson, who describes her coastal Texas city as a little fishing town that lives for shrimpery and Friday night lights. I like that. It's a good description. She says, but then Harvey paid a visit, and her words put a major hurt on this little town. She wrote this. She said, my mom still lives in the town of Aransas Pass. Her house was virtually destroyed by the storm, and she's had a really rough year already. And then Brandy describes how her dad had passed away in November, her mom's sister passed away in December, her mom's best friend in January. In March, her 70-year-old mother had to take in her two grandsons, ages five and one, until CPS sorted out their future. So Brandy goes on and sums it up this way. She said she's been lost this year. One life-changing event after another. She stood strong, she's held her head high and kept pushing on, but when Harvey hit, it was a last blow. Our family's been worried sick for her and about her. But then she writes this. She says, today she called me in tears, sobbing hysterically. 30 plus people showed up at her doorstep. Angels straight from God, saws in hand, rolled up their sleeves and worked all day. That's a unique description of angels, I think, kind of. <laughs> think David Smidowski and Joel Ormond showing up with chainsaws. We're from God, you know. 
But to her, they absolutely were an angel from the Lord. Where they, She saw them and those volunteers that way. She says they rolled up the sleeves, they worked all day. She said clearing the property, taking 1,000-pound trees off the roof, taking more than a load off her already frantic mind. These people, perfect strangers off the street, came from your congregation. I just want to thank you from the very bottom of my heart. You just don't know what it means to my family to have you guys here. Thank you, and God bless you. And then she, she hashtags Texas Strong and AP or Aransas Pass Strong. I have to tell you, I, I celebrated over the stats, but I got a little emotional over the story. Isn't that interesting? And I'm so grateful for that. That, that's, that illustrates kind of the power of story. That's what a story does. The stats give you the information, but the story kind of puts skin on it. And we're going to begin talking about how Jesus was a storyteller. It's what he did. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus had a really hard day. He'd been criticized multiple times. He was accused of violating the Sabbath, accused of being demon-possessed. That's where his power came from, supposedly, according to some. He was asked for signs proving who he was. Well, if you're who you say you are, prove it. His own family, according to Mark, thought he was crazy and tried to rein him in and come collect him. Suffice to say, it was a pretty bad day, and the opposition was stepping up. I wonder how that impacted his disciples, who had left everything to follow him. They believed he was the Messiah, and now they see the religious leaders. They see all these people doubting and all pressing in. Matthew 13 begins with this phrase, that same day. In other words, the day that all that was happening... Jesus went out of the house and sat behind, beside the sea. Great crowds gathered about him. So that he got into a boat and he sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables. Interesting, that's the first time in the New Testament we see that word. And we're going to see that that's significant. He told them many things in parables. And then, Matthew tells us, Jesus told them this story. Give a listen. A sower went out to sow. As he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has an ear, let him hear. So he tells the story the parable of the sower. And it's interesting, again, that that's the first time we hear that word parable. A parable is a story that reveals a deeper truth. It's designed to tell a truth. What's interesting is there's a thing in the the study that's called hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is really just the study of drawing truth from Scripture and understanding the truth of Scripture. And there's this thing called the law of first mention. And what the law of first mention says is that there's a pattern in Scripture that typically the first time a key concept is presented is significant. And you should pay attention. That first mention matters. 
And that there's this habit in the Bible of, of, on many of those first mentions, telling you more than you might think. And this is a great example of that principle, this law of first mention. The first time that we hear the phrase parable. That verse, Matthew 13, 9 through 23, he who has ears, let him hear. That's a key verse. It sets the tone for the whole thing. It's really what the whole passage is about. Jesus goes on, or or the passage goes on and tells us, the disciples came and they said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Why is it you do this? He answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Now, some people say, well, there's evidence Jesus didn't, not everybody was supposed to understand or or was able to understand. It just wasn't for some. I want to suggest to you, if that were the case, Jesus wouldn't have been talking to them. I think we're supposed to understand, and I think the rest of the passage will, will bear out, that the idea is, but to them it has not been given yet. It has not been given yet. In other words, you've had the light turn on. You've understood. Your eyes have been opened. Theirs haven't yet. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he'll have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. He's quoting here. This is why I speak to them in parables. Now he quotes from the prophet Isaiah, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear but never understand. You will indeed see but never perceive. For these people's heart has grown dull or hard, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. That's a quote from Isaiah. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, to hear what you hear and did not hear it. What's he talking about? He's talking about see Messiah and hear the gospel. The prophets longed for it. They looked forward to it. And these disciples are living it. Hear then the parable of the sower. So now he goes in and he's going to talk about that specific parable. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. When temptation or or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word, understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and another thirty. You see, this whole section, This whole story, this whole thing, Jesus is talking about hearing. Do you notice how many times that word came? Hear, those who hear, hearing. It's all about hearing. Everything in here, there's a group of people in Matthew 12 who were either unwilling or unable to hear what Jesus was saying. And so they falsely accused him. They twisted his words. They opposed him. Well, then Jesus introduces this idea of the parable, a story that would teach a lesson. 
He's asked why he speaks in parables. Understand that's really, there's two questions implicit in this. The first is, why parables? And the second is, um, what, what does this parable mean? Okay, what are you really telling us? Why parables? Well, Jesus said, because they can't hear. And the implication is, I want them to. And you, we know, because otherwise he wouldn't even be speaking to them. He wants them to understand, but they either can't or won't. And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called The Sower. The series is called The Storyteller, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And there, if you're able to bless back, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Again, find the Give tab at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And now back to the message, The Sower. This is radio for real life. And he says, to you it's been given. That's verse 11. But to them it has not been given. And as I said, I I think there's this implication of, but it can be. It hasn't been given yet. I want it to be. You see, hearing the word of the Lord is compared to a seed which takes root. Like when you truly hear, and there's something in your heart that happens, and that seed takes root. I mean, I talk to a lot of people who really struggle with this idea of hearing from the Lord. You know, you, you go ask people, well, what's the Lord saying to you? You know, what's the Lord been saying to you recently? And some people are like, well, I, like, like I, I, I don't know. Does he say things to you? What does he sound like? Is it the Morgan Freeman thing? or what, and how's, he, how's he do that? I mean, really, there's this idea of, well, I guess we're supposed to hear God speak. We're supposed to have this relationship. A relationship always involves communication. So how do you hear from God? We talk a lot about listen for what God says and then do what he says, right? But a lot of people get frustrated and get a little bit locked up and wrapped around the wheel on, on this idea of, well, how do we hear? So many people get frustrated because they don't think they can hear God's voice. They don't know how to really hear his word. And if that's the case, this parable is really good news. Because I think here's the main point. I want you to write this down. The secret to hearing the word is preparing the soil. The secret to hearing the word is preparing the soil. That's what Jesus is teaching. He's not teaching that, well, my intention is that some people never understand. I believe what he's saying is there's the secret to hearing is preparing the soil. And if you don't have the right kind of soil, you are not going to hear. 
He reveals three enemies of hearing in this passage. Those enemies are rejection, hardness, and distraction. But he also reveals the key to learning how to hear, and so we're going to look at those. First idea that I think under this that he he gives us is some can't hear because they don't want to. Some can't hear because they don't want to. The the first enemy, enemy of hearing is rejection. See, the seed that falls along the path Interesting note, it isn't even in the field, is it? It's not even in the field. The seed that falls along the path isn't in the field where things grow. I think this communicates the idea that the word is rejected because it contradicts the worldly truth that that their lives have been built on. It rejects the worldly truth life has been built on. Now, there's a lot of people who hear the word, but it's just like, they, they just, oh, I, that, that can't be. I, I, can't, I can't deal with that. Because it contradicts everything that they've built their life on. I mean, if you're living in the world, I don't care if you go to church, I don't care if you listen to teaching all the time, if you're living in the world, lit, walking by worldly, or dare I say satanic principles, and some of you go, oh God, there he goes, he went crazy. And just because someone's worldly doesn't mean they're worshiping the devil. I'm not talking about worshiping the devil. When I say Satan, I mean of Satan. And, and understand what that means. That means the core idea is rebellion. We're talking about it's rebellion against God. That's the core sin. That's what pride is about. It's all about rebellion. And the world's system, the world's standard is about rebelling against God's law. There is a God. You're not him. Follow him. And the world says, no, I don't want to follow him. I want to do things my own way. I'm not interested. So it's rebellion. That's basically the, the spirit of the world. Different biblical phrase, the spirit of the age. Whatever you want to say, it's a spirit of rebellion. If you're living it by worldly principles, the rebellion, the word won't even make sense to you. Remember the scripture says, to those who are perishing, it's like foolishness. It's, it's like ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. Because it goes against everything you've built your life on. If you have, are, have built and are living your life by the world's principles, which are in rebellion to God, and all of a sudden God's principles start being presented to you, if, if you're not even in the field, and you're not interested, if, that's going to seem like absolute foolishness. That's why this illustration Jesus uses birds, it's quick, it's instant, it's immediate. Immediate loss because of rejection. There's no understanding. The seed is lost. How does the enemy do this? Well, people think they know, but they don't. In other words, they've embraced a lie, and so when the truth comes, they dismiss it immediately. They take the enemy's word over God's word. Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 19, gives a beautiful description of this. Paul writes, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. What do you mean? He's talking about people who don't believe. He's talking about every person in the world. What can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. Well, how has he done that? For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature, they've been clearly perceived. How? Ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they're without excuse. Excuse. In, in other words, God says, look around you. Look around you and see All the creation, see the atmosphere that you enjoy every day. See the sun that warms you, the wind that cools you, the water that nourishes you. He says, just take a look. You think all this is accidental? 
It's ironic that some of the people who think they're the smartest, the most educated, they look at all of this, the beauty of the world, the beauty of creation. They go to the Grand Canyon. They look, they go to the mountains. They travel to the ocean. And they look at all of it, and they go, oh, that's all an accident. I mean, stop and think about it. Is there any other area of life where we see something so beautiful, so purposeful, so perfect, and yet it's an accident? There's no designer behind it. That is absolutely illogical. And look, look what Paul writes. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God. Here's the key. Here's the secret. They didn't honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking because they refused to honor God. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. They were saying the most foolish, obviously patently foolish things. You know, how can you prove that there's a designer behind the world? Uh, Because of the world. That's how. I I can, because of the world. If there's a car standing there, how can you prove that someone made this car? Because it's right there. I'm looking at it. Here, let's touch it. It's a car. It didn't just pop up and appear here. But how can you prove that? Well, isn't the car's existence proof? Well, no. I think the car is accidental. I mean, it sounds ridiculous when you say it about a car. But no, no. The grandeur and splendor of creation. No, that makes perfect sense. That's all beautiful. Good. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. How is it that you change this soil? How is it that you cultivate? If the, if the secret of hearing the word is preparing the soil, what do you do about this soil? Well, I want to say to you, if the seed that's sowed along the path isn't even in the field, well, you've got to get in the field. You've got to get in the field. If you find you're here, maybe you're here this morning, and your friend dragged you here. You're like, I can't believe I'm at church on a Sunday morning. I don't believe any of this stuff. Well, I just want to say, first of all, God bless you. Good to have you. Okay, Welcome. You're a good friend, you're a good son, you're a good parent, whatever. Whoever you are, you're a, a good you know, relational person for being here. Thank you for being here. But maybe you're sitting here going, yeah, I kind of am like that. I, don't, I think it's all bull. You know, I, I don't know that I believe any of the stuff. I, I just want to say to you, if you want to begin to hear the nudge and the voice of God, you've got to get in the field. And, and there may be moments in your life where you did, where you thought... You had thoughts that you thought, man, there's got to be a God. Or maybe you've prayed, and you're not sure. You're not a believer. You don't even know who you're praying to, but you're praying. Something in you inherently reaches out to something divine. Something in you says there must be something eternal. I want to say to you, to begin to hear and engage, you've got to get in the field. And that happens through faith. The key to getting in the field is faith. You must choose to believe Jesus more than you believe the other voices. You must decide to renounce the world system and follow Jesus. You've got to take a chance. And my challenge is, that's the whole point of the gospel. Our sin separates us from God. He made a way through Jesus Christ, paid the penalty for our sins on the cross so that we could have life. The Bible says if you confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I encourage you today, if God's tugging at your heart, Acknowledge your need for him. Lord, I need a Savior. Ask for forgiveness. Please forgive me for my sins. Thank you that Jesus made that forgiveness possible with the cross. And invite him to come into your life and lead you. And let me tell you, you will be in the field. And he will begin to speak and lead. The secret to hearing the word is preparing the soil. 
The second thing we find out is some won't hear because hearing involves risk. Hearing involves risk. See, the second enemy is hardness of heart. Because a hard heart won't risk change. It's kind of like a hard head, okay? We we talk about hard heads all the time. Oh, my gosh. A hard heart is that heart that goes, I cannot resist, I cannot risk change. A hard heart is a willful heart. It's really what we're talking about. It's a willful heart. Remember what verse 20 and 21 said? Jesus talked about this. He says, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. That's interesting. Make a mental tag of that. Because it looks great. They receive it with joy, yet he has no root in himself because of the hardness. But endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. That's the seed that was sown on rocky or hard soil. It's a willful heart that won't change. And what's fascinating about that description where he says it's, he, he receives it with joy. In other words, you want the good news. Man, Jesus' grace sounds awesome. I want grace. That sounds great. And, I, and they, they'll receive it with joy. But you're not willing to alter your life so that when things get tough and you've got to make a decision, am I going to trust God or am I not? There's no depth. And you just give up. And you kind of say, oh, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You ever heard somebody say that about the faith? Well, I tried it. It doesn't work. You know, I, I, I can't tell you how many times people have said that to me. Oh, it, it doesn't work. It's like it's, they ordered it on Amazon, and they're going to send it back. It doesn't work. And I'm, I'm going to rate it. I'm rating it in a two. That was terrible. I've had people say that about prayer. It doesn't work. I tried. It doesn't work. God didn't do what I wanted. It, if that's your deal, and I've said this to you before, but it's worth repeating, uh, that means you don't know what the word God means. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Radio for Real Life. And if you'd like to hear this full message called The Sower in the series The Storyteller, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And there, if you're able to bless back, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Again, find the Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road, right behind Rotama Park, with service times on Saturday nights at 5, and Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.15. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Radio for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Real Life.